This is Alex Hackle, and you're listening to The Passion Report. I'm Shock, born in Switzerland, grew up in this valley, the Mottertal, grew up in St. Niklaus. It's 20 minutes before Zermatt. Spent most of my time here in Zermatt because it's such a nice place. have all my friends here. And yeah, that's basically it. And the interview. He told them all. <laughs> you don't need to listen anymore. <laughs> Welcome to the Passion Report. We got Crack Jack, a.k.a. Jack Summermatan. Is yeah, that correct? That's correct. A.k.a. the mayor of the horn. <laughs> you would be seeing the horn in the background, but it's a little bit of a cloudy day. Yeah, it's a little bit shy today. So, yeah, sometimes the horn is, horn is covering itself because it's shy and don't want to show it to all the tourists, which makes them come again, I would say. If I came here and I didn't see the horn, I would have to come again. Yeah. The horn is the most beautiful mountain on the earth. It's almost a fact. Yeah, that's probably true. It's just because it's just outstanding. There's no mountainous surrounding it. So just outstanding, one beautiful peak that makes it special, I would say. Definitely. So we went skiing today. Give give the rundown. Uh, yeah, we in the morning I woke up and I thought, yeah, I'm not going to ski today because I was not optimistic because I thought, yeah, it rained or snowed it during night. So usually they close if that happens, but it opened. And it was super nice. It was kind of foggy, cloudy weather and sunshine. So it was a mix. It was warm. And I like to ski in fog. It makes it like special or magical if you can ski in fog. So it actually was a pretty good day. Yeah, I would say like the fog made like everything we filmed look like pretty damn cool. Yeah. And then it was super nice because this is my last day in Zermatt. And everyone yesterday night, all the shapers, everyone was saying it's going to be closed. So yeah. I was like, oh, no, like it was closed yesterday as well. So I was like, oh, the last two days closed is bad luck. So I was super happy. It was like a miracle day, I'd say. Yeah. Good last day for you, I would say. Good last day. And tell us about that bloody last feature in the park. Yeah, there's this one long blue tank, set tank to a down tank. I don't know how long it is, maybe 18, 20 meters, 22 meters. So... It's a feature you don't really like to do every run because you mess up almost every run. But we did a session on the last tank or that last feature and we both had a successful one trick. And that, that's good for the soul, I would say, on the last day. It's even for me, probably the last day. I'm not going to go skiing again till winter or fall. Let's see. If there's a lot of snow coming, I will definitely go up there again. But it was also last day for me, so... It was a good one for the soul to stomp something on this 22-meter tank. Yeah, last run of the day, switch to blind two. I've been here for like 10 days, and I've successfully gone to the end of that rail twice. Uh, so Or two twice. So it's a, it's a pain in the butt. But it's still a nice feature. I think if you make it to the end, it's a good feeling. Even if you just ski slide it through the end, it's such a nice feeling to just grind through that tube and make it happen. Definitely. Okay, so let's get into the, the hard-hitting questions here, Jack. <laughs> so, you're a child of the horn. Yeah, basically. Basically, yeah. So, you grew up about 20 minutes from here, is yeah. that correct? But I learned skiing in Zermatt. My uncle is a ski teacher, so he he brought me up to Riffelberg when I was, I think, three years old and started skiing there. And, yeah, since then, I'm probably hooked in Zermatt because after that I skied in Grachen it's a other resort close by my hometown but they they had a park but I 
I always try to come to Zermatt. Like there was this deal before you turn 16, every Saturday was for free for skiing. So I definitely used that chance to go skiing for free in Zermatt every Saturday at least. That's a super good deal. And it worked. Like here you are. It makes lifelong skiers. Yeah. I've spent my last 10 summers in Zermatt. And those were probably the best 10 summers, even if it was just skiing. I know life has more more to offer, but for me, it was skiing and it's still going to be skiing. But yeah. So tell me, because with how big this place is and how much terrain there is to ski, how did you start to gravitate into like uh, park skiing? I think because... Furksattel, it's called. It's on Trockensteg, so the winter park is on a high, like it's on 3,000 meters, I think, the winter park. And it's quite long, so even if there's a long park, you have a big terrain around the park, which you use. It's like same chairlift is for park or freeride skiing up there, so you had everything on one chairlift, which makes it super nice. And we were like a big crew back in the days. Not all of those guys are still skiing park. They still ski, but obviously not park or they, yeah, they went to free riding or normal slope skiing or ski teaching. So our group got split a few years ago, but back then it was a good community. We were all super motivated. We went every day together skiing, every day with a big group. And that made it, I think, super special. Yeah, I just like coming here, I've come here like a couple summers and there is like such an awesome community on the mountain. And for myself, like I grew up skiing like nowhere near as crazy a place, but like finding those friends on the mountain and like finding that connection, like where the mountain is like a sense of community at home Mm -hmm. makes like skiing just so much fun. And that's like what I got addicted to first. Like I didn't get addicted to skiing. I got addicted to like being with friends on the mountain and like doing an activity and it just that's makes... all about it actually if you go with a group it's no matter what no matter what weather no matter where you go skiing it's all about the group and having fun and that makes it special not the place where you're at it's about it's about the community i would say without doubt so tell us about some of the the key members in the zermatt community uh the Key members is the Dettas, obviously. Big it shout started out. started with Gabriele Detta. I know him since I was seven or eight. We met in the soccer team in St. Niklaus. And then from one year to the other, he didn't show up anymore. I lost the contact for about four to five years. And then I met his brother, Nico, soccer as well, again. And then he said, yeah, he got addicted to this like mogul skiing first. And then I was like, what mogul skiing or like just the bumps. And then we get the connection again. And that's why it actually started. Why I came to Zermatt to ski. Then we connected again after four to five years. And then we went skiing. So the Dettas are, yeah, that's the key members are the Dettas, I would say. That's amazing here. And tell me, because I know that... um or how I first figured out about Zermatt was when BMAC came here to start shaping. Yeah. And uh, tell me what that was like when, like, I mean, I think like one year, like BMAC came here to shape. Yes, Nielsen came here. I have actually here. a f- funny story about that. Like it was fall. 
Summer Park and then Marcel Brinisholz came to us and he was like, yeah, we got a new shaper from Sweden. I think he's called Maximilian Smith and then Nico and me were like, what? BMAG is coming here and he had, he had no clue who BMAG was. And then he, we told him who he is and then he was also super surprised and stoked. And yeah, then BMAG came and then he changed with Marcel together the park into a playground that was like, I don't know, it w we were speechless. It was like trannies everywhere and usually we just had like standard features lined up behind each other. And then BMAG came and he he mixed everything up and he basically made like a skate park out of it. And then he brought the mini ramp feature, but uh, mini ramp is semi orlip He did it first, but first snow park, I think was here snow parks are mod. We had the first skiable mini ramp. And yeah, just as I said, trainees everywhere. So there was endless opportunities and BMAC turned into the main park designer role here in Zermatt with Marcel together. Yeah. That's insane. And now that we're talking about it, like speaking of Sammy Ortlieb, because those dudes were filming the Glacier Days like all the summers. Yeah. So you grew up in like an amazing time because you're like a young kid as the parks just start getting so much better with Marcel and BMAC. Yeah, and people came from everywhere. It started like every summer got crazier. People from all over the world, like people I looked up to, still looking up to, they came to Zermatt and it was just nice. They came to our home and ski here and we could spend time with those guys and that made it special yeah what were you, like who were your influences like is there anybody in particular that you would ski with all the time who shaped the way that you skied no i think my skiing got shaped by everyone a little, little piece of everyone a little influenced by everyone i would say that's awesome yeah i remember i came to zermatt for the first time and well, i do have you know which year it was Oof, don't ask me those questions. I, I know, like, it was, uh, I'm trying to think if I was still riding for HG or not. No, I no, think first I time you were here P's. was on repeats, yeah. Yeah. I, I might say 2018, that I, summer. I think so, too. But I came because I was like, was BMAC still park shaping? No, BMAC wasn't park shaping, but we came and, like, visited together. Yeah, yeah, and then we, we were at the Shaper's house. We cooked one evening some veggies with Sam. That was during the health gang. Yeah, exactly. Health gang official. Yeah. Why? Where is health gang official? No comment. No, no comment. comment. Okay. But uh, I would just remember like going up to the mountain and uh, being blown away. The park was amazing. This was well, Marcel was still shaping. Mm -hmm. But also I was amazed. Like I watched you ski and I was like, who is this dude? Like, <laughs> and then we started talking and I'm like, this guy is such a nice guy. He's so friendly and his skiing is like really, really stylish. So I thought it was cool because I was like, my first introduction to Zermatt, but also my first introduction to you. So I think, yeah, I think it was 2018. It was the summer I took off of work and just skied all summer. It was worth it. Did it was you, pretty good. Did summer. you progress quite a bit when you? Yeah, I went that? skiing every damn day. If it was closed, I just relaxed because I needed a day off. But I remember I skied every single day. We had bunch more snow back then, and the park was huge. It was mind-blowing park back then. So tell people about Marcel Brunholz. Give give us some stories of when Marcel, like tell a bit about who he is and then say like some crazy shaping stories because he's like the most passionate guy in the world. Marcel is like, I don't know, he like, he don't tells you much. He just go out alone and build stuff. 
and he's not telling no one like we had kind of a structure like who's doing what but like it could change overnight so quick like he if i can say it was like a workaholic in a good way because he liked what he do he lost what he does still lost it so he just worked so many hours like building stuff by his own and just yeah it's passion i would say definitely i've i've not met a guy so passionate about building parks um, Marcel, he was the head shaper at Zermatt during like the the golden era. The golden, I would say, yeah. It was he he changed it with the crew to what he is, what it is now. Like you can't compare it from now to back then because everything was different. Maybe more budget or I don't know, but also the crew was. It was all different, but. But definitely times to remember what i love about so my first park that i wrote that wasn't marcel park was this or my park yeah. and then i met him and then i realized just how bloody passionate he is about making parks and then he moved to south Fay, and then the park at south Fay got insane yeah. and then now he's in adelboden and adelboden is like one of the most flowiest best parks in europe my favorite park yeah probably, yeah so big shouts out to marcel like shout out to him yeah i think obviously marcel you're probably listening maybe you're amazing, but obviously he's a very talented shaper and builder. But I think his passion, he his his visions with passion, with love, everything mixed together, makes every park special. And people will notice it and appreciate it if they ride a park of Mar like where Marcel works and with his crew. Yeah, wherever that guy shapes, like I'm going. <laughs> like yes, yeah, it's a sign of it's gonna be really good. Definitely. But, so yeah. shouts out to Marcel. Yeah, big shout out. Okay, okay. So let's get back a bit. So glacier days. Yeah, glacier days. I just I try to remember when it started. I, I'm not sure, but I think it was 2016. It was super early. It was Will and Sammy coming and with Chef Consum. And I remember Chef always played with his piano and they always used this music for the edits. So I really liked the combination of those guys like Chef filming will and sammy skiing and they made like small like park edits look super nice and they made it in a way that you want to watch it over and over again even now i go back and watch the first episode and go through it, it's just super nice what they did they did a, also big influence especially with the glacier days movie i think that was the summer 2018 and so many people came and skied and that was Laudi Kivari was there, Auntie Olila, there were a bunch of guys in that summer. So it was amazing what Sammy did there. Definitely. I feel like Will and Sammy both have such amazing attention to detail. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's what sticks out to me in the Glacier days. It's just like how well thought out all the tricks were yeah. and like yeah, how creative everything I mean, was. it's super hard. Like Glacier Days movie is a, something with 20 minutes. And I mean, it's hard to do a movie in one park with 20 minutes with so many different skiers and to make it that it don't feel too long to watch because if you watch that movie it feels like time flies so fast because it's so well caught and it's like nice parts in there and yeah as i said many good skiers so it's pretty nice well done definitely and i think like also it's such a nice like time capsule like it documented that era of like mm -hmm. that we're talking about with marcel and b mac mm -hmm. and will and like kind of like they 
they put it on the map for me till they want to come here. Yeah, to many skiers, I would say. They put it on the map to many skiers and also new schoolers helped. They, like everyone was pushing in that time. Everyone was pushing Snowpark Sermat to be known as the most flowy, funny park in summer where you just, like they always said, yeah, if you want to go to Zosfe, you just want to jump and practice and get to get your tricks repeated for the upcoming season. And they always said, yeah, if you want to go to Zermatt, it's the opposite. You want to ski rails, have fun, enjoy time, good community. It was always this kind of, yeah, way. Definitely. So nowadays you're uh, filming with the Bulldoze guys. So how does the Bulldoze guys come into your timeline? It actually, it started, yeah, Ramco, Johan and Shil as well. They asked me if I want to join because they filmed most of it that year for Charger in Hovale, so the upper part of Wallis. So, and I joined many, like every time I had possibility to join them, I went with them because it was close for me so that's how it actually came up and then i didn't know i just went filming and then at the end i got actually a bunch of clips together to get my own little part in the movie that was the first time filming with bulldoze but i know all of these guys since a long time actually i know remco from the sports school back in the days i don't know how many years it is probably eight nine ten years back i don't really know is this the sports school in Brig? Yeah, exactly. Sports he went school. to that one as well? Yeah. Ah. Laura de Marta as well, yeah. That's super cool. The stylish Swiss <laughs> French riders. <laughs> they go to Brig. <laughs> I was uh, so happy when I saw like you had a part in Le Chargeur. I love that film. I love like the creative direction. Big shout out to Bulldoze. Those guys are making awesome stuff. Yeah, they they hungry for making stuff. They I love also BPC, what they do in summer. It's It's crazy for me, but... The fact that they spend every three minutes to go skiing on rocks and grass and whatever is that shows that they love skiing more than everything else, I would say. Definitely. I remember I actually met Jill in Zermatt for the first time and he was like a military officer in the Swiss military and he had the weekends off from the military and he had no place to sleep. So he slept in like the outside lockers, like at the bottom of the chairlift. And he had two different skis because he had like broken them. And the guy like comes on a Friday night, skis Saturday, Sunday. Sunday night, I see him in a military outfit getting back on the train to go back to the military. Yeah, because if you have the military outfit on, you can ride trains for free. And you probably have to. If you go back to military, you have to wear it. But that's just insane dedication. But uh, in these in these bulldoze movies, you're riding street more and i just uh you're also telling me about how you went on like a big street trip this year and like how does it feel to be riding in the streets and like what what's the vision uh, i don't really know i this is a hate love relationship with streets because it's never easy there's always stuff happening you don't can tell before it happens and there's always so, so it's always kind of a stressy situation street skiing but also nice because you discover other places, you meet people on this, or like you can show people what skiing is and they get like, they probably never see that before. If people ski somewhere in Slovakia or whatever, they like most of the time you can bring a smile to people's faces and show them that, yeah, stuff like this is actually happening in, in this world. But on the other side, um, I would say I prefer skiing like in every terrain. Doesn't matter where, I just enjoy skiing everywhere. 
I totally understand. And can you tell us a bit about this project that's going to release this fall? Uh, yeah, we've been... It was super spontaneous. I think first Miggy and Chad planned it with Line and Julius was also from Bulldoze. But he hurt himself and then Remco asked me and then I just went into the boat and we I came back from America and then I had one day in Zurich and then I left three weeks for the trip to Eastern Europe. Our official plan was Finland, but then we saw, yeah, there's not much snow. So we just, we, we really got good in Street View, Google Maps. I tell you, if you, if you look to go street skiing somewhere in the city you don't know, Street View is, is the future. It helps you finding spot. It takes a lot of hours, but yeah, actually we found a place in Slovakia and then we decided, yeah, let's just drive there. And then we started driving there and then we went to that city called Poprad and then we got mind blown. There was spots everywhere and it was a lot of snow, more than here in Zermatt which is uncommon, crazy. it was crazy. And then we, yeah, we just planned day by day. We always booked Airbnbs and stayed two days there and then we went to another city. So it was hectic, but super nice. So what was the farthest east that you got? Um, I think it was next to Poprad. I don't remember the cities, they were weird names, but it's, uh, let's say one hour from Ukraine. So it's, Okay, that was the farthest. And uh, what can you tell like a difference in the type of people you meet when you're in Eastern Europe versus Switzerland? When you're yeah, like skiing street? They, they looked at us suspicious, I would say. They, they know skiing there because they have ski resorts, but they don't get it why people from Swiss travel there to ski. But we said, yeah, it's, it's nice for us because it's every, all new. And the culture and food in Slovakia is pretty nice, like super nice. Any cuisine you can, uh, you know, tip, give me some tips about if I end up going there. Uh, if you end up going there, search for local restaurants. They barely speak English, but I mean, you always can communicate somehow to get what you want. So that were the places you should go for, the places that don't really look popular for tourists or the real places actually that's the that's the best i remember i've done some street trips in russia and they're like my favorite because when you go someplace where you can't speak english you have to like communicate other ways and yeah. you end up trying things and you have no idea and it just like adds to that experience more than like when you travel places that speak english even though they might not be their mother tongue it's like a sense of safety that you don't have and it makes yeah. it all the more fun when you're like in a place where you don't have the safety net of language yeah that's true so tell me about uh you were doing only natural speed spots yeah we had, we had the drop in tower but actually we didn't really use it that much and if we used it, it was like breaking all the time so we decided to search for spots either where you can drop in straight into something or natural in run and or homey pull in which i really like if a homie pulls you into a spot is yeah it's just about te more teamwork i would say if you search for spots like this and it takes more time to discover like we really went hours in cities or just driving around 
then we parked our car and then we walked around into neighborhoods and I don't know people were always funny to us or like it's nice you just walk into neighborhoods where usually never people with ski clothes walk around so yeah that was funny and it yeah it's, it was just a lot of searching for spots more than like if you have a winch way easier you just go somewhere oh there's a flat in run but we have a winch Definitely. these spots we not, not even one I looked at those spots we just kept going and search for yeah it's just a different kind of view to spots if you have natural in run or homey pulling i think it definitely like shapes the vibe of the video because like you're saying like you're hitting different spots because you have to be creative because it's not just about finding a spot but it's finding a spot with the in run or creating a way to do it without an in run yeah and uh, i think it's uh it's really cool yeah and uh, like we were four so that was actually a good combination of like four people so it was most of the time two could film and one guy was like either watching the street or watching yeah just helped out so it was a good combination of people that that's awesome well i want to thank you for coming on the passion report you're look, very welcome i look thank forward you. to seeing the project when it comes out everybody keep your eye out on jack remco jed and uh, everyone Mickey. in the street community everybody or like in the ski community everyone is great and does his thing which is great from us at the horn to you on the computer goodbye fam see ya ciao